You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. We're joined by a special guest, Elizabeth Pearson. How are you doing, Elizabeth? I'm fantastic, Chris. How are you? Doing very well. She is a executive career and mindset coach, and she's also a program uh, developer in the sense that she's you know helps people move through a process. We're going to talk about what she does. We're going to talk about her story, and I'm going to mine as much value as I can out of out of your life because there's a lot going on here and I'm just going to go through your bio here. Elizabeth Pearson is a speaker, success coach, and author of the forthcoming book, I'm Too Busy and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves That Keep Us Stuck. She is a money mindset expert specializing in helping women entrepreneurs and executives increase their income by at least an additional six figures within a year. She's passionate about helping women get unstuck, uncovering limiting beliefs and energetic blocks, and she routinely helps her clients get promotions, large salary raises, and tap into their true passions. During this process, she helps them identify their calling so that they can do what they love and make a great living with it. With a BA in journalism, Elizabeth climbed the career ladder in the traditional corporate world where she managed multi-million dollar accounts like Target, Walmart, Amazon, Costco, Whole Foods, Disney, Ulta, CVS, Walgreens, uh, Vitamin Water, Smart Water, B&G Foods, Pirate's Booty, Skin Fix, and more. After launching her coaching business part-time in 2016 while leading a skincare company as a C-level executive, Elizabeth left her corporate career that provided a multi-six-figure income so that she could better serve her coaching clients. Having achieved six figures in her first year running the business full-time, Elizabeth continues to grow and support her clients, who typically see significant improvement within just a few weeks of working with her. She's a contributor to Forbes magazine. She regularly appears in media, both in business and spiritual publications. Elizabeth's guidance inspired her then four-year-old daughter, Delilah, to launch her own nonprofit, Delilah's donations, where they've raised over $5,000 for St. Jude's Children's Hospital within a few weeks. They were, they were able to do this because Delilah requested all friends and relatives to make donations in lieu of gifts for her birthday. Over the last two years, donating birthday gifts became a tradition both in the family and amongst the friends whose birthday parties Delilah attends. She's originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Elizabeth now lives with her two young daughters and husband in Laguna Niguel, California. To learn more about her, you can find her at elizabethpearson.com. I'm stoked to get into it. I want to start right where your book title is, which is I'm Too Busy. Yeah. Uh, as an entrepreneur running around with education entrepreneurs, people building courses and membership sites, I would say they're even busier than most because they have to you know, do all these things. They have to build a business. They have to teach. They have to get involved with all this technology to, to make everything function. They have to you know, grow an audience, build community. I hear the words, I'm too busy, or even more common, crazy busy, yeah. uh, is it's just part of the vernacular and it's accepted. 
what's your angle with the book and what, what, what mindset change happens to get people out of this? I'm too busy. Cause it seems like an impossible job. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing to tell yourself is that I'm too busy and that statement, or I'm drinking from a fire hose or whatever the other cliches are that are floating out there. It's not something to be proud of. Right. So I think somehow in our culture, it's been twisted into this badge of honor. Right. We've really equated our level of busyness with how important we are. Right. Or maybe even our self-worth. So we say that with a, a lot of pride. Well, oh, I'm crazy busy. I'm swamped. All of these things. But at the end of the day, when you are crazy busy, that means shit's falling through the cracks somewhere. Something is happening in your life that you're not giving enough focus to, whether it be your family, your personal life, your business, or yourself. So what I tend to do with clients and the purpose of the book is to get people to snap out of it, right? This is not something to be proud of. This is something that will run you into the ground and you'll end up being a master of none if you become so busy and distracted in your life that you can't focus on what the true priorities are. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's uh, like it, I have a software company. So in our company culture, we intentionally uh, just developed a company culture where we don't brag about how late we stayed up or what we did over the weekend or whatever. That's not, that's not a badge of honor. So I, I totally get what you're yeah. saying there. I always think of it as George Costanza. We've all seen that episode of Seinfeld when he's not really doing anything, but he acts really busy when yeah. his boss comes in. Half the time, if somebody is coming up to me, especially people that I managed in, um, you know, in my previous corporate life, if they came to me and were super busy, I saw that as a huge weakness. It was because they had sloppy time management, they didn't know how to prioritize, and they probably weren't actually executing projects to completion. A lot of times that's how we get distracted and we start doing a little bit of everything. So exactly, Chris, to your point, it really isn't something to be proud of. We don't have to be Zen all day. I know that that's not realistic either, but there are things that you can do to start to minimize your stress and make sure that you're focused, right? All of the big overachievers. I just watched that wonderful, I'm late to the game on the Tom Brady Facebook thing, but throughout a lot of these overachievers, whether it's Tony Robbins, all these guys, they talk about focus. You have to be focused and it's okay to be busy, right? But what we don't want to do is be so frazzled and unfocused that we're crazy busy or we're swamped or we can't keep up. I think that actually has the opposite effect of what some people are going for, uh, especially if you're talking to clients and you say you're very busy or even family members. It makes you look kind of like a hot mess. You know, you need to focus your you know, efforts so that you can actually complete something and then speak about that with pride instead of the busyness. Love it. Um, you're a mindset coach and mindset is everything. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of, I'll come up with a specific example of something where I started thinking about something different and everything changed. Probably just like that, that example of, I read a book called Work the System by a guy named Sam Carpenter. And he talked about how when he would go on vacation or trips with people, other business people or whatever, people would talk about how many emails that would be waiting for him when they got back, where he was proud that he had a system and a team in place that he wasn't really going to, it wasn't going to be any different. So just changing that mindset is everything. But um, you, you, you help people also with money mindset. And I think mindset coaching specifically, or just in teaching and education in general, when you're teaching mindset, 
some of it like seems obvious. Like if I think about money mindset, like you need to value yourself or you need to, you know, uh, you know, charge what you're worth and, uh, that's easier said than done. Yeah. Like how, so how do you, what is money mindset? And I'm sure I have all kinds of blocks and stuff too. Like, Oh yeah. Everybody's got them. Yeah. Everybody's got them. There's, there's so many that kind of come to the surface and, First and foremost, I actually do career coaching, but mindset, it's career and mindset because I feel like they are completely intertwined. And if you want to be successful in any area of your life, you have to have the right mindset. And to your point, you can read a book that says, you know, value yourself, or you can take a free webinar and it says, oh, do these things. And that's great. And information is helpful no matter where you get it. But if you don't actually ingest it and start believing it and walking the walk, your external reality is not going to change. So one of the biggest mindset blocks that I had, which affected my money in the beginning, was this this lack mentality. I thought that there were enough coaches out there. The world didn't need some Lewis Howes, Gabby Bernstein mesh up, right? Which is two people that I really looked to be similar to. Uh, And I found myself trying to force myself into this pigeonhole that I had created of, I need to be this to this person. And at the end of the day, I actually learned from both of them that when we start looking to competition and feeling like we can never catch up, right? The world doesn't need another you. That that's actually at the point where you should keep rooting for whoever these idols are. Maybe it's Gary Vee, whoever you have as an idol, uh, root for their success. Don't feel knocked down by the next announcement that they're getting another book deal or they're getting this and you feel like, oh, shit, I'm really not going to, I'm never going to catch up. I'm never going to catch up to these people. Because what's so important to the, the purpose of each one of your listeners is that they're living their truth because at the end of the day, when you are 100% yourself and you're authentic, you do bring value to clients and customers. So every perspective is different. And I heard someone say to me once, it takes 13 different impressions before somebody really starts to open up and adopt a theory or a message. So as long as you're along that journey for whoever it is out there, the billions of people out there that are looking for support and help in an area of their business or their life, then you're making an impact. And I feel like anytime you make an impact in a positive way with a positive intention, it is a ripple effect. And then your tribe will start showing up for you. But that was the hardest thing for me to learn. I thought, I can't charge what I'm charging for these people because I didn't, I didn't have confidence in myself. But then once I got a few clients under my belt and I saw dramatic results within four months for them, I was like, well, okay, I, I'm starting to believe it now. To your point, I started to really believe my worth and start charging what I was worth. And the more you feel comfortable and confident in that, I mean, I don't even do any advertising and I get calls all, all week long. I have to monitor my schedule so that me and my team aren't overbooked with these calls, but it will come to you. But is that mindset shift? Because nobody else is going to buy your course, hire you, do anything. If you don't truly believe that you can bring something positive to them and get them big results. That's fantastic. I've, I've been in this industry for a long time, especially in internet years. And I used to not believe in the whole fear of success thing. I understand fear of failure, but there's some interesting stuff going on there. But I wanted to ask you around mindset. 
when I see an expert coming on and they're kind of, they're getting ready to really go online and try to go big, inevitably they start sabotaging something or something's not right. And the launch just like stretches out into the future of the website or the coaching program or the, you know, marketing campaign or whatever. What, and I, I think there is some, some like fear of being judged and like really going on stage in a big way. I mean, the internet's a big place. What kind of mindset stuff is operating that's keeping people blocked or, you know, making them kind of almost subconsciously delay the launch of the program? I think they think people are paying attention way more than they are. So this is something that I always used to tell myself before I had to go speak on a large stage at Coca-Cola. Once I gave a presentation in front of like 2000 people and I'm just, you know, like a 26 year old freaking out. Right. Yeah. And then somebody told me, uh, you know, they're not paying attention to you. <laughs> they're, they're on their phones or whatever, but nobody's rooting for you to fail. They really aren't. And that was something that really stuck with me. And when I first started making video content for my website and sending it off to, you know, all five people or whoever that were watching it, it, it was very scary. And when I was on TV last weekend, I was freaking out like, oh my God, I'm on live TV. But then I'm thinking the people who are watching TV are like doing other stuff. And the people who are watching, they're not waiting for you to stumble on that one word. So just take a little bit of pressure off yourself. That course, they're not going to notice if you're, if you're, you know, recording a webinar and you slip up a little, a lot of times it actually makes you more relatable. And when you're authentic, people really gravitate towards that. So the only person you're hurting by kicking the can down the road, and I have done this, I, ha I get it. I've done it. I've done it with book proposals. I've done it with everything. Um, but at the end of the day, the only thing that is going to take that weight off your back and that sinking feeling like you're putting something off is obviously action, right? Just do a little bit. Even if you set your phone for 20 minutes. Today, I'm going to work 20 minutes on the course. Then I'll meet with my clients or I'll do whatever. A lot of time, once you start kind of getting in the flow, you can knock out way more of whatever project you have for yourself if you really do just let yourself off the hook after a certain amount of time and realize that if you do mess up, it's probably only going to season it up a little bit and add a little bit more authenticity to whatever you're producing. So you just have to do it. Awesome. Um, you should go check out Elizabeth Pearson's YouTube channel because one of the things... Uh, I noticed about your videos is they're they're very specific and there's no fluff and it you walk away with a solution to one pro whatever problem. Um, like you, ha I watched one about um, guilt around being a parent and work yes. and, and how to deal with that. I was like, wow, that's really good. I was taking some notes. Like, oh, maybe I'm going to send next time I go to a conference or whatever. But. Um, yeah, the videos are kind of like like all of these wonderful books in my office. Yeah. Yeah. I tear through books. I love them. I'm sure you're a ferocious reader as well. And and courses, I mean, I'll take whatever, you know. Um, mm. But what I like to do is just boil it down to a really short, like actionable video because so many times when I was traveling for work, I would just be like waiting for my flight to board. And I would just look through what is a good 10 minute video I can watch, whether it be, you know, Oprah or Tony Robbins or Eckhart Tolle or you name it. Um, and I would try to get some learning 
that day. So I like my videos to be these little nuggets. Even if you have just one a week, hopefully you can take something from it and apply it to your daily life that week specifically and learn something, right? I think we have to just really condense. They're like the cliff notes of all of these spiritual books and all these business books that I've read. So I'm going to give you another example and another reason to go to Elizabeth's YouTube channel, which is she had one about negotiating salary. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's from a book guy, Christopher Voss. He wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. Um, I listened to like a two-hour podcast with Tim Ferriss with the author. I've also read the book. And then I watched yours six minute video. And I was like, you know what? That's all I really, I could have, that, 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 <laughs> yes. right. it's the cliff notes of the cliff notes. Oh my gosh. That's the biggest compliment ever. I know. Yeah. I try to just think, cause I'll read them. And then yeah. I think, what did I remember? What yeah. stuck with me throughout it? And then and that's what's actionable. Like you're very action. Like you're giving people tools, not just ideas. Like say this, use yes, this. do this because yeah. that's what I needed. All, a lot of times it, well, the books will have them in there, but a lot of times it's buried. And so sometimes like the book I'm writing is like going to be super small. Like you can plow through it in two nights on your nightstand. People are, they're too busy, right? Yeah. I don't need plowing through these books to be another thing to do, but it's my jam. I love reading this stuff as I'm sure you do as well. And a lot of your listeners probably love getting this knowledge, but at the end of the day, tell me what to do. Dan Locke says he reads books and He'll read maybe the first three chapters. He'll get uh, one nugget out of it, and then he he puts it to the side. He doesn't even fit. He's like, I got my thing. Now I'm going to move on to the next one. Because he knows a lot of times these books, I don't want to say it's filler, all of it's great content. But if you're in a hurry and you need something actionable, it it could take people a month if they're reading, you know, a few lines a night before they fall asleep because they're exhausted. So, yeah, I think you got to boil it down for people. You have another video title, Break Free from the Cage of Mediocrity. What is it about, like, how do you help people get through mediocrity and what's the problem there and what's on the other side of, medi- of, of breaking through? I think the first step is to get people to admit that yeah. there's some, fort- some, some area in their life where they've accepted mediocrity as the new bar right? So a lot of people that call me, they say, well, you know, I'm not unhappy. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty low bar. So we're just, you know, we're not miserable yet. We're on our way there. But somewhere along the line, we've, we've lowered our standards. So it could be physical health. It could be your relationships. It could be your job, which is what I encounter most of the time. But usually the other three are kind of hidden back there too. Um, it could be the amount of time that you spend with your kids, right? It could be a lot of things where we've said, okay, we're just going to accept how it is. And that is really dangerous, Chris, because once you start feeling a little bit powerless or apathetic towards a situation in your life, it's a slippery slope from mediocrity to misery. So the first step is acknowledging that you're putting up with something that your 22-year-old self who was wanting to go out there and take on the world and be rich and have all of this stuff, that now you are kind of hiding behind the safety of your corporate job. And I'm not like hating on corporate jobs. I learned so much and I have so many mentors from that, those experiences. But at the end of the day, a lot of people think that that's safe, right? So we're looking for safety instead of this wonderful spontaneity of living life. And that a lot of times um, involves people taking risks, which they don't like doing. 
So I just get them to kind of wake up. Like I will say it back to them. They'll tell me what their situation is. And I say, okay, wow. So you're traveling, you're missing your kids growing up. You don't have time to do yoga anymore. You don't have time to do this and all of a sudden. And once you frame it up for them, they're like, oh my gosh, I am. But then the beauty of acknowledging that is that you get to take back control of what the rest of your story looks like. It doesn't have to be one of mediocrity and just getting through the day. That's awesome. I feel like I'm getting a free coaching session. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Everybody is. Yay. The uh I wanted to get into your story a little bit. Um it was it was a process. Like you didn't quit your day yeah. job. What like just to frame in the timeline, um how long from when you had the idea that I'm going to do some coaching on the side or whatever? How long did it take from that idea to work, doing both to quitting to how far out are we now? Can you context yeah. us with time. Well, the catalyst was the birth of my daughter, Delilah. So that was almost seven years ago. Um, I just, I sort of started questioning everything as most first time parents do, right? What is my purpose? What am I here for? And after that, I started really becoming a seeker. So I went to yoga retreats. I went to all of these meditations, sound bath healings, all these wonderful things. Started reading all these books. And then once I started tapping into my spirituality, I realized that the priorities that I had for myself, which were making rich people richer and selling stuff, stuff that I loved, great brands and everybody, like I I can't say enough good things about my past employers, being on the vitamin water core team, you know, I mean, it was a great ride and they took care of us. But at the end of the day, like all, everybody who's listening or watching this, I had a burning that I was wanted to be boss. I didn't want to be a Beyonce backup dancer. I wanted to be Beyonce. And so what am I going to do here? Am I just going to keep doing what I'm doing? So I got down, I got uh, with my husband, we sat down with our financial planner and we had a five-year plan to save money for me to start my own thing. I had no idea what that was. So I think that's important. You have to have some sort of financial support, some sort of some sort of stability. This doesn't mean that my husband makes all the money. It's not. We were equal breadwinners. So it was a big deal for me to walk away from my job. But we were aligned that the plan was within five years, I was going to bounce. So we started saving, we started doubling up 401k contributions, stocking money away, having some liquid assets. And then once we moved to California, which was a total manifestation, I take everything as a sign, right? We got here and then I started realizing that I'm going to the East Coast every week for work. I'm calling on CVS in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and then I'm flying back here on Red Eyes. And then my husband's going. And at some point it was like, this isn't working. I can't do this. I can't be away from my kids like this. So it was one of those moments of like, what are we waiting for? The time is now. I had a couple of clients that I was doing on the weekend, but by no means was this a significant stream of income. This was me getting certified and kind of getting a few of those first time clients under my belt. And then we just looked at each other one day and I said, I think we're ready. And it was January, you know, so it was a great time to kind of start. And I lovingly said goodbye to my sales job and I started the first six months, which felt like soul crushing work of building a website. And I just started doing these videos and little by little overcoming resistance every day because I still get hit resist with resistance every single day. It started to take shape, but it took at least six months for that to start. And I know there are a lot of um, courses and things out there that will say, 
you know, you can be making seven figures and four months and all this stuff. And those were the kind of courses I bought into and they were great. I learned a lot from them, but I started to feel like a failure when I wasn't at seven figures in four months, which is insane, right? To think of that. But a lot of people, this is what they're trying to sell you. So my word of advice to you is no, this is not an overnight thing. This was a long five-year plan to get two years of income built up and assuming I would have to spend six figures within those two years, investing it in myself in order to make this happen. And I'm not saying you have to have that, but you do have to have a plan. It's really irresponsible to just say, I'm being mediocre and I don't want to do my job anymore and then quit and think that you're going to start an online business and you're going to be making six figures within the first year by yourself. You will have to invest in coaches, a business mentorship, you know, advertising, all of this stuff, but you can absolutely do it. I mean, soup to nuts, as far as like, if we don't look at the five years of saving and planning, two years in, I'm doing really good and it's just, it's growing and I'm not advertising and I have a wait list. But the main thing I focused on was over delivering for clients, 100%. And I feel like that is an intention, that is a vibration that you're, you're on and your tribe will come and they will happily give you money to get them out of this kind of hell that they're in, have them living a best, a best life, you know? That's awesome. I just want to confirm a similar thing happened to me with when I um, became an entrepreneur later in life. And I, I, always, I started hearing like, oh, it takes you three years to replace your income or whatever on average. And it took me, it took me five. And I was like, yeah. It, I, it, it made me feel like, oh, it made me feel a little bad. So you just have to be yeah. careful about your um, judging yourself based on some formula you heard on a show somewhere. That stuff can, right. I guess, seek into your mindset. Sink it in. can. And then you start yeah. questioning, you yeah. know, should I even be doing this? Yeah. I mean, so many days I was weeping to my husband, literally in the corner of my office one day, rocking on the floor. And I said, I made a huge mistake because it's not like I had some, you know, minimum wage job. I had amazing, I had an amazing career that yeah. I worked very hard to get where I was. And I left it to do something totally different. And at that time, I didn't see how those skills were transferable. So I just thought, oh my God, I'd spent 15 years and countless trips and sacrificing, you know, going back from maternity leave early to make buyer meetings at Target, like all of this stuff. And now it's just poof, it's gone. And now I can't even pull in a couple thousand dollars a month, right? Like it was hard. And I think that that is something that a lot of times people can gloss over or it gets glamorized as the hustle, you know, and like keep going and that's great and all, but you do need to be really realistic because I think when you're expecting to hit resistance and you're expecting to kind of have this length of time, you can better adapt to it, right? And then, then you can keep going. But when you think it only takes a year or two years or something like that to completely pull a 180 and then be making that, I mean, you're really lucky. It's not, you know, impossible, but it's going to be very hard. And it's going to be very hard if you don't invest in yourself. That's the number one thing. I'm not saying, you know, just start doling out money on courses and coaches and all this stuff. Don't do that. Be really smart. Make sure that you're getting aligned with somebody who has walked your path so they can show you how to get there. But for me, investing $50,000 in myself in courses and coaches 
was really hard, especially when no money was coming in. So I think that's the, the big nugget too, is like the solopreneur thing. I get it. I was it for a long time. Sometimes it's, it's where you have to be in the moment, but you have to be willing to push your chips in on yourself. Um, when you're investing in yourself, I, I, I kind of learned that maybe you can relate as a parent, you have to have a support network, right? That, yeah. that helps. It's more than just you and your spouse. Like you need like some help and friends and whatever, family, whatever, uh, babysitters, community. Yeah. Support network makes the difference between like I, no time or whatever and like I have a life. Yeah. Uh, what, you, you've mentioned investing $50,000 in, in courses and coaching or whatever. Can you, what are some specifics or like what types of things when you were investing in yourself were you studying, studying or getting help on? Yeah. The first one was just, um, it's funny. I don't even use it right now. I probably shouldn't say this. I like how to build a marketing funnel, stuff like okay. that. Everybody's heard about a sales funnel. Yeah. I took, you know, a whole course like aimed at, um, coaching, right? How to get your coaching business to the next level, right? So yeah. it's very generic. Um, but it was a 16 course module and a lot of it was around building your sales funnel. Yeah. And to me, and I know that they work, I know that they yeah. work for a lot of people. Yeah. For me, I did it kind of half-assed and I felt like I connected more with people talking to them in a, on a breakthrough call or yeah. via my videos. And so I didn't love that. I'm not saying I would never use it, but that was where I dropped 10 grand on a program to build a sales funnel. And I think it depends on what kind of service you're offering. I know those can be incredibly effective. I'm not going to advise anybody to not do it. But in hindsight, the things that I took away from that were, you know, just more of the tech things, right? Like how do I make sure that my website has great SEO? Uh, should I be using Entreport for my emails? Should I, you know, it was more about building like an email list and things like that. So, and using Acuity, I use Acuity for my scheduling, all of my calls, things like that. So I took nuggets from that more so on which service providers to use. Um, I'm sure they're all great, but that, but it, the other thing that that did for me is it pushed me, right? Because I had to get these modules done. I only had four months and then my program was expiring. So it made me sit at this desk every day and for 12 hours, I mean, I was writing code on my website and I had never done that, right? right. <laughs> like my husband comes up and it's, you know, like I got a movie with a black screen with the, and I'm, copying and pasting code in there. And he's like, Oh my God, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm learning code. And then I had to, I, I invested in, um, Filmora, which was a, a great video software, um, platform so that when I make my videos, I can easily go in there and put text applications over them. But I made myself learn everything before I started outsourcing. And so that's where the payoff came from investing in things like that, where a lot of these other people had done them before, or they'd done Facebook ads. So another big chunk of this $10,000 program that I did was how to make a Facebook ad. Again, right now I'm not doing it because honestly, um, I got to put the brakes on a little bit, but I think once we're ready to start going for more, we'll probably pull in some Facebook ads, but there are all sorts of people out there to help you do that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if I could go back and do it again, I probably just would have tried to find a one-on-one -on -one coaching mentor who knew how to do that stuff because I still felt alone. 
in those courses a lot of times because there were hundreds of other members and it was me watching a video and then doing the module. There was not a lot of like one-on-one interaction. Nobody could look at my website and kind of proof it for me or give me any feedback. So I had to just do a lot of trial and error. So if people are out there looking to invest, if you can swing it, I would say like hire a business coach, like a one-on-one business mentor, somebody whose website looks tight, somebody who is getting press, somebody who's got a lot of credibility and then invest in them because they've done it. I was just kind of buying into like a module, right? Which, which was great. I know I've created online courses and they're, they're really impactful. But if you are trying to get in the left-hand lane and kind of go fast and expedite the process, one-on-one, I feel like is the best. What, what, were you, uh, what was the hardest part of making the transition in ter- from your job, I mean, you had skills. You, you, were, I'm sure you were a great, great communicator and everything. But like, what surprised you, or what was the big, biggest bump or hurdle you had to get through, getting your your business launched? The loneliness. Yeah. I mean, for me, if I'm being totally honest, I was, I already worked remote, but I, I loved the status that I had of, you know, walking through the airport with my Starbucks and my pencil skirt and going to first class. You know, like that was something that my ego was feeding on. And I didn't really understand the depths of that until I was doing like, what do they say? The laptop lifestyle or whatever. I was in this room most of the time in yoga pants and I'm working, you know, I'm on the phone all day long with potential clients and I'm building the website and I'm making the videos every once in a while, but it was really lonely. And at the end of the day, I felt like, and then my husband traveled. So really, the only people I'm hanging out with are a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, four and six, actually, uh, my two little girls, and they're looking at me, and I've been crying half the day. You know, like, I don't think I was prepared for that. I thought, since I worked remote most of the time anyway for work, it wouldn't be that big of a transition. But just the touchstone of having somebody that is going through the same things you are, you know? And I tell people to watch out for the well-meaning family and friends. I say well-meaning because during this time when I'm calling my mom crying stuff, it's like, we're really concerned. Are you sure you just can't go get your job back? Like literally. And then a good 90% of my girlfriends fell off the face of the earth. They were there for me. They wanted to take me to wine when I was down and out and crying. But then when the business started to take off, it got weird for them. And I, I feel like sometimes Chris, when you totally change your life, it can shine a light on other people that have those same dreams, but they gave up on them a long time ago. And it can be uncomfortable. And I, I started downplaying stuff. I would not mention stuff. I wouldn't mention that I had a TV spot. I wouldn't mention this or that. I wouldn't mention that we had a record month. I would really downplay my success because I didn't want to come off as braggy or boastful or whatever, but I was just happy. I was excited. So it was really lonely. I was alone during the day and then a lot of my friends disappeared. And so I would say that was something I wish somebody would have prepared me for to your point so that you can build up your support network of like your ride or dies like beforehand. Right. And I've got a few of those, but then we moved. So they were all in Chicago. So it was still like, but at the end of the day, I figured out that I depend on myself. Right. And I've got a great team and 
things are different, but you will get through it. It's kind of like the hero's journey. You just have to be prepared to be in that kind of dark forest for a while or hire somebody to kind of guide you through it. But you should get a coach. Like anybody who's an entrepreneur should have some sort of coach. I don't care if it's mindset, business, success, whatever. Find somebody who knows what you're going through so they can keep you going. That's really good. I've, uh, I, I have a business partner, uh, but I haven't always had a business partner in my entrepreneurial journey. And uh, there was a time when I went to a 20 person mastermind. It was a little bit of a stretch financially. It was fly to another country thing. Uh-huh. And it was, uh, it was so powerful. I've since been, it happens once a year. It's, it's, it's a, a retreat kind of format, but, um, I've since been back five times, but this, that, that pivotal move of like finding your tribe. And I'm like you, perhaps I've like, I, I can run in lots of different tribes. And sometimes I discover a whole new tribe, like, oh, wow, that, these are my people over here too. And uh, entrepreneurs need other entrepreneurs. I think it's, it's a really important part of um, mental health and, and just dealing with that loneliness that comes with, you know, creating something out of nothing. <laughs> so. 100%. The entrepreneurs, I told my husband, I said, because I was like hanging out with a few women that I'd meet here or there. And, you know, they're talking about target runs and things like that. And I'm like, I got to, you know what I mean? I got to like, launch this. Pro- I'm thinking to myself, like, and it's, it's, it's no judgment. It really isn't. It's just completely different scenarios, right? It was like, I had nothing in common with people who weren't entrepreneurs. And I still struggle with that. I still am trying to build that tribe. But to your point, 100%, if you can get with people who are in a similar boat as you or have been, you can really, and they're so willing to help, right? Because anybody who's been through it, all they want to do is try to support somebody else who's, who's going through it. So that's so critical. But I don't think people talk about that enough, about the loneliness and about the self-doubt that pops up a lot. Everybody's trying to just fake it till they make it and, and be cool and not, you know, sweat it and not let other people see you stressed. But I think that, you know, it's kind of like parenthood, right? Too. It's like, nobody wants to say that, you know, they had a really hard day, you know, they don't want to admit it. But at the end of the day, that's the only way you can get help. And that's the only way I feel like the universe is going to answer that call and bring people in your life or the opportunity for you to meet those people as you did with your retreat. Awesome. Uh, I want to talk to you about your who you're serving powerhouse women. Yes. Uh, so we, as an expert or experience with, uh, you know, life experience and skills and everything, we start thinking about like, Oh, well, this is what I know. This is the, how I can help people. How did you choose who you were going to help and how did you kind of pick that, uh, that segment? It's kind of embarrassingly simple. It was me. I felt like I could help women who were like me because again, I feel like, and that's why I do like an application for a call. If, if, if we haven't had similar experiences or you're not looking to have a similar experience, even if it's just a spiritual breakthrough, I probably can't help you. Right. So just like you can probably help entrepreneurs the most that kind of had your timeline or your path. Right. So for me, it was this overworked spiritual seeker, woman who knows that she's kind of in this trance of mediocrity, but doesn't know how to bust out and feels trapped. So for a long time, I felt really stuck. I felt like I had come so far down this road, right? I built this career. So 
I can't turn around now. I can't leave this. But I always tell these women on these calls, I say, if you're going down a road and you figure out it's a one way and you're going the wrong way, do you keep going or do you turn around and go a different way? And so many of them feel like they've invested so much that they no longer have options. They can't, they can't make a change and it's total bull, but you have to have the courage to do it. And so I think that that was what I knew I wanted to help with my audience. And, and from there, it's kind of blossomed. I mean, a lot of millennials are actually reaching out because they feel stuck and they're 25 and they feel stuck, but God bless them. They're acknowledging it so much earlier, right? I feel like with us, it was this duty, this obligation to just whatever your master's was in or whatever you had a degree in. Well, you know, you chose that when you were 19 and you're stuck with it. Tough shit. You're in it. This is it. This is your life. And these people are like, you know what? I think they're a little bit more woke, whatever you say. And so they're like, I'm 25 and I don't like this. I I need to pull the eject. Let's go a different direction. I'm like, right on. You can do it and I'll show you how. So it is powerhouse women, mostly moms, but now it's this wonderful subset of millennials who are really writing their story. They're taking control of their life and they're realizing that they have options much earlier. One of my favorite words is uh, integrated, integrate. Um, you mentioned uh, be, someone being a spiritual seeker. Like as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, there's all this business stuff going on, but if you neglect your health and don't maintain your energy and, you know, it, it has a dramatic infa- impact or you can improve your business output with health stuff a lot. And this, you don't want to do either of those at the expense of your relationships. Otherwise, what are we doing this for? How are we supported? But then you, you, you're weaving in a spiritual component and there's this idea of like energetic blocks and stuff like that. Like what, can you, can you lay some spiritual, spirituality yeah. on us of what's totally. going on and what happens there? Well, I can highly recommend, I mean, you mentioned I've got some videos, but any videos that you can find um, with Esther Hicks, who is this wonderful medium for this, you know, angel Abraham Hicks. I know it sounds a little far out there, but just Google it, try it out. It's good stuff. It's really about, everything in our life is a physical manifestation of a vibration that we had in the past, right? So one of the first things I say to people is everything that you have around you, this situation that you're in right now is because this is what you believe you deserve, right? This is what you believe you're worth. So if you are in a dead end job or you are struggling, it's because you believe that this is as as good as it can get for you. So once you kind of say, okay, maybe I believe that a little bit, then we can start unpacking why. So a lot of reasons people have blocks, whether it's money mindset blocks, relationship blocks, success blocks, all of this is because we've told ourselves a story so many times. Maybe we thought it was what we were seeing in reality, but Esther talks about a belief being a thought you keep thinking. So if you keep thinking, God, this is going to be really hard. I mean, this is going to be really hard for a year. I'm going to make no money. The universe says it's the genie in Aladdin, right? Your wish is granted. You will continue to struggle. You will be in this mindset of lack and therefore really take longer than normal, probably have to claw your way to make any sort of money. But if you believe, if you start telling yourself, even if you don't believe it at first, if you don't think it's reality, you know what? I'm going to be incredibly successful and I'm at peace with whatever timeline the universe wants me to work on, right? Like for a long time, I was like, I really want some press. 
I'm doing all this stuff, I'm making these videos, nobody's watching them, you know, all this stuff. I just need to get on TV. And I, I just was really adamant about it for a long time. And the second I said, you know what, screw them. If somebody doesn't want to have me on, then, then that's fine. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and my peeps are watching and that's what's important. It was like, boom, literally two days later, I'm on TV in LA. So I think it, it's, if you are in a place of surrender and acceptance, to the timeline it's going to take you to grow your business, you will let that abundance flow to you much more freely than telling yourself over and over again, this is going to be hard, or my kids aren't going to like this, or I don't know, I'm going to have to reevaluate. A lot of people do this. I'm going to have to reevaluate in six months to a year. If it isn't working then, then I'll just go back, right? We already have made an exit plan for ourselves. Well, then you're really just buying time till the end of the year, till you can get out, and that's your excuse. So I tell people, just start telling yourself, Things that even feel like lies, right? I'm going to make eight figures in my first 10 years. Whatever this big goal is, a goal so big that it makes you really kind of uncomfortable and you don't really want to tell anybody about it, start telling yourself that. I tell people too, like, um, change your password. Like something in your phone or something, whether it's eight figures or crazy money or whatever. And so you're just, you're typing it in all day long, right? You have notes up. I have notes up all over the place that say it's on its way. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it's on its way to me. It's already mine. Somebody else can't take it from me. It's predestined for me. So if you start kind of just telling yourself things, even if they feel like lies, eventually you will believe it. And then once you really believe it, you can kind of sit in this place of surrender and ease, and then it shows up for you. I'm right there with you. I've had some things happen in life where I I was just thinking about the ideal and just kind of obsessing over it and, and just being open to it. And then like, like kind of waking up inside that reality a year later or whatever, like it does happen. And it totally does. You just have to, once you surrender, yeah. which is really hard for especially entrepreneurs. We want to try to plan and control and, and have a timeline and then hit goals and goals are yeah. great. You should have a plan a hundred percent. But I tell clients all the time, a lot of times they're like, well, I was writing down my goals and I'm like, well, that's good. But maybe you can even phrase it as, wouldn't it be great if, or wouldn't it be nice if I made seven figures this year? Wouldn't it be nice if I had 200 people buy this course in the first day I launched it? Wouldn't it be nice if, because you see that shift, it's just less pressure. It's like a lighter, more positive headspace than I have to do this. And if I don't do this, because when you do that, you're focusing on the lack of its presence right now, which really just breeds more of that situation. So try not to take it so seriously. I know there's money on the line for people, but if you really are focused on the product that you're given, the money will come. I, I was, I'm kind of smiling because you reminded me, I told my, you know, sometimes I tell my daughters things like, you know, if I, a piece of advice, like whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. I forget who said that. Yes. And I was at a playground yeah. and I laughed out loud when I saw my daughter telling some other kid trying to climb something like, uh, whether you th think you can or you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. That's how you know you're crushing yeah. it as a parent when they start repeating things like that. Delilah says all the time, she goes, you know, just surrender. <laughs> she hears me tell my husband that all the time when they're like throwing a tantrum. I'm like, the more you resist, the more it persists. Surrender. Just let him, let him work it out and then we'll deal with it later. But to your point, trying yeah. to force something or force yourself or force people to sign up for something. That was the other thing. I thought, 
oh, I can, I can get people to buy this, whatever. No, I can't. I, I have no control over who's going to buy this course, over what clients are going to come to me. The only thing that I can do is put out really great content and trust that the people who resonate in my reality are there for a reason, good or good or bad, whatever we want to label it. But you, you can't force this timeline. If you're an entrepreneur, you really can't. You can work hard and be persistent, but once you, once you realize you have no control, it's almost like this wonderful sense of calm because it's not on your shoulders anymore. It's not the thing on your to-do list. Getting the people to come will happen. It's not, it's, there's nothing you can do to force them into your program. Someone gave me a piece of advice once, which stuck with me that once you're on the train, you, you just still don't have to carry the luggage. Um, <laughs> so that's really good. I want to ask you about your group program. Um, as a, as a, if there's a coach out there listening or course creator, they're thinking of doing a group program for their site. You have a 16 week program yeah. on a lot of awesome topics. How did you design that 16? How did you come up with those 16 things or what we're going to yeah. do one week after the next? It is really simple. It's what I do with my one-on-one clients. So yeah. The first few that I had, um, it's always been a four-month program. I don't like to go much longer than that because I want people to get results quickly. I'm not a crutch. We are going to move the train quickly, and then that's it, and you're on your own. Um, But this, it was just, I was sending them this customized growth work. I'd have a session with them, and then I'd say, I'm going to send you growth work to work on in between our next session in two weeks. So a lot of this was from emails. I found myself typing the same email, like a lot of the same things that were a little bit different for each um, woman, but at the same time, it was like very similar. So I just started taking note and I just started copying and pasting it into a little word doc. And then all of a sudden I realized I've got like 40 word docs with all this different growth work for them. And, but they were all along the same timeline. They were very sequential, no matter who I was working with, it was really the same gist, right? You have to do this first and then we'll work our way down. And so I thought, you know, once I started getting a little bit overwhelmed, right? To the point where, again, I'm not taking care of myself now because I've got, I've got back-to-back client calls all day long. But as you know, like I loved them. It was like I was, it was, I was feeding off of it. I loved these, these sessions. I didn't want to give up the one-on-ones. And I still have a few of those, but I also hated getting off the phone with people and telling them they had to wait three months to work with me. So it was like, cause you know, when you're unhappy and then we're on the phone and then we really bring it to light that you're unhappy, you want to take action. And so I felt like the next logical step was to do a group program so that they can start making the changes right now, but then they have this wonderful support network. This is the other thing I was doing. I'd have all these one-on-one clients and I'm like, Hey, there's eight of you in Minneapolis. So I would like put them together on an email. They're going to lunches once a month, once a month together, all of this great support, right? Which is what we were talking about at the beginning. I had almost felt like I had been neglecting that. Like they just had me, but then once I introduced them, they had me and then they had all of these under other fabulous women. So that's where the online course really was birthed from was because there were so many similarities between these, these women that I was coaching and I didn't want others to have to wait. And it's significantly financially um, more doable for a lot of people than the one-on-one. The one-on-one, you know, it's not cheap. 
You know, it just isn't at the end of the day. And neither is the online, but at the same time, it's less than half of what the one-on-one was. So I wanted to make it more accessible to a broader base of women. I love it. It's not just women. We actually do have two guys. So I don't want to scare off the guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You, you ended up creating one of the things that, um, that where you saw a gap when you were kind of learning where you were in these courses, but you felt by your, by yourself and so on. And now you're getting these eight people in Minneapolis together to, to yeah, go. That's right. social learning. That's, that's and there's awesome. nine in Canada. Can- Canadians are totally woke. They're like, <laughs> stuff. I love it. But yeah, but now there's people, there are people across the country and, but when you're in this group platform, but then some groups get like too big. Like we have a cap too, because I was in one of those, like I said, where it was a couple hundred people and you're on a zoom and you just see pin, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's so many people that it's overwhelming. So it's like, you don't really connect with them because it's going to take work, right? This is a small group. So we can all talk and we can all learn from each other's questions and situations. Yeah. I've been to some, uh, like the mastermind thing I was telling you about 20 mm-hmm. to 30 people is a pretty sweet number. Yeah. Like you can really, uh, get to know everybody and I think yeah. you go to bigger stuff. You don't even meet everybody. <laughs> no, you don't. And you don't feel the need to because right. you can fly under the radar and you can slip yeah. out and you can yeah. not go to the dinners or miss a couple of events. And it's, you know, who's going to notice. So I agree to your point. You just get people who are super committed and invested in themselves in, in that group. And then that's when the magic happens, right? Absolutely. Well, Elizabeth Pearson, she's at elizabethpearson.com. Go check Go check her out. Go subscribe to her YouTube channel. Any final words for the people and where can they best connect with you online? Yeah. So they can just go to my website and you can book a call. Um, if you want to chat, I love chatting. The other thing that I would say, and it sounds like it's been said so many times before, but don't give up. We only have one life. If there's even a little mouse voice in your head saying, be an entrepreneur or do this, even though it's scary. You really owe it to yourself to listen to that because even if it's a faint voice, it used to be loud and it just got drowned out year after year after year when you did what you should do, what you should do, what's best for your family and everybody around you is for you to follow your dream, whatever that looks like and never, ever, ever give up on it. Awesome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.